Father, we thank you for your blessings upon us. We thank you that we can assemble together in your name. We ask now, Lord, that you would take each part of this service and that you would be glorified in it. Lord, that your name truly would be blessed and lifted up as the song we just sung. And Lord, that you would use the special music and the preaching that when we reach the time of invitation, Lord, we would be able to truly worship you in the surrender of our lives to your will. We pray that you would give us the ability to understand your word today and more than just understand it, to live it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please remain standing. Four, and we'll be there in just a few minutes. Hebrews chapter 4, and uh, want to preach on investment today, uh, began thinking about that, uh, especially as uh, we reviewed the entire week, uh, the history at Heartland of, of what went on, and uh, I don't know if others were there, but it seemed at times there was almost a uh, just a little dampening of the spirit uh, of some of the services, and and I really believe that some of that was because people were remembering some of the uh, investment and the suffering that went along with that, that the college may be where it is today. And uh, there were many, uh, unfortunately, there were uh, those that really opposed that and... and, uh, uh, some uh, just to be plain lies told and people's character assassinated and there were so many hurtful things that were done you know one lesson you'll have to learn is that if you're going to serve Christ you're going to find opposition from people who call themselves Christians but here's the good news If they're truly saved, guess what? We will be in heaven one day together. And God will solve all of those problems and right all of those wrongs. And I can trust my Lord to take care of that. Amen? But I think of the investments that have been made over the years. And if you read in the bulletin, I'm happy to tell you that the offering goal was met. $415,000 cash was received in checks and and, uh, donations from churches on Wednesday morning uh, or sent before the offering was actually taken. And uh, by Wednesday night, our total goal of $820,000 was raised. And I'll tell you what, I am excited about that. And uh, say, how... How much money are you talking about? How often do they do this? Well, they take a May offering every year. And what the May offering does is it allows the school to operate in the summer because there aren't any students paying tuition. And uh, it also allows capital improvement and things that were going on, uh, a place dear and near to the heart of every student on campus is the cafeteria. Amen? And uh, I don't know that I've ever been to a college people haven't complained about the cafeteria. Uh, but uh, 
uh, as we were leaving Friday morning, they were actually taking the doors off uh, of the cafeteria and measuring to see if they could get uh, a little tractor that they have in there to tear the place up and, and just drive that in on the floor. And, and uh, I'll tell you what, I was excited because uh, Rachel said, Dad, are they going to replace the equipment? I was in the kitchen, and it is really in bad shape. Yes, they're going to replace everything in there. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what's going to happen. Uh, we uh, saw 69 students graduate, five from the graduate school and 64 from the student body. And they're going to be going out. But one of the neat things about graduation week at Heartland is you get to see the other students come back that have already graduated and are serving in the ministry. And you get to see, and uh, as we did, several of them preach during the week. And uh, what a blessing it was to see as one man turned himself a goofball uh, uh, preached and, and just did fabulous job and, uh, and just enjoyed the time. But you know what? He graduated 10 years ago. That's an investment that has to be made and nurtured through the years. I'm looking forward to what's going to happen in Greenpoint. That's an investment that's been made. And we're looking forward to receiving some profit on that investment. I think of all the churches, uh, in fact, uh, that gave so that our church could be here. In fact, one of the students graduated Heartland, I think, in, uh, uh, 19, in 2002 or three, something like that. And now he pastors one of the churches that in 1997, when we were raising money for our building, gave us money to help us buy our building. The pastor that was there, of course, has moved on to a different ministry, and now a Heartland graduate is there, and he was one of the speakers during the week, Brother Metzinger. And uh, I, I call him Brother Metzinger, but uh, I remember him as a student. And, uh, and I'll tell you, I love to see what God is doing in lives. You know, none of us are here by ourselves. It's because somebody invested some time and effort first to give you the gospel. How many of you got saved the first time you heard the gospel presented to you? Not too many. We got one or two hands. But I'll tell you what. How many of you are still learning about the Bible? You see, those are, that's the investment that we're talking about here. You see, the world talks about investments. And uh, one of the preachers brought this up that are, uh, I, I don't want to take the whole time to explain it, but he said that he could purchase a brand new car for the same amount of money that he could in 1964. He just needed 300 and some odd rolls of 1964 dimes that were pure silver. 
And that would be worth, uh, it, I think it worked out to $2,400 in 1964 dimes equals about $30,000 in modern day currency because of the value of the silver in the coins. I'll tell you, when the world talks about investing, you always lose. And if you actually get an increase, who gets the rest of it? The tax man. But when you invest in God's work, the rewards are eternal. You think the IRS is going to show up in heaven and demand payment? <laughs> no, they're not. It is God that's going to be the one that is going to determine what investments were made. Uh, as I was preparing to make the presentation, some of you remember last uh, November and December, uh, there was an awful lot of time, and I came before you uh, time and time again. I said, uh, please pray for me as we're trying to put these Bibles together, these Bible pages, because I was having some difficulties getting the stuff and then the frame and trying to get the glass and all of that. I'll tell you what, the investment of time and effort putting those together was absolutely nothing compared to the joy of being able to present those to the school. And Brother Pearson came up and said, I had a bunch of students already in my office. They want to know when the Bible was showing up at the library so they can go look at it. And, uh, and uh, we, we praise the Lord that our church had a part in that. It was an investment. I'll tell you, driving home yesterday, uh, we took just a couple of little breaks. It was from 8.30 in the morning to about 11 o'clock at night when we pulled in here. And I'll tell you what, I had to ask myself the question, why am I doing this? You only have so much life to invest. I'll tell you what, I wish we could get a bus and just put everybody on it and take you out there for a week. I don't know how that would work, but uh, we looked into renting a bus, but they usually rent the bus with the driver, and it was going to be about twelve or $15,000 to rent the bus for the week. And We could almost buy everybody a plane ticket for that. I mean, uh, uh, there's no use just riding for the sake of riding. Uh, buses aren't that comfortable. But uh, we, we just need to pray and consider these things because... Our life, our life is an opportunity for investment. What are you going to invest your life in? I mean, the, store, the, uh, the libraries are full of the stories of men and women who have invested their lives in Whatever, I think of Howard Hughes. How much money did that man have when he died in a drug-induced stupor in an airplane somewhere between Mexico and the United States? They said he had needles broken off in his body from trying to inject himself with drugs. 
Now I'll tell you, how many of you have ever gone to the phlebotomist there, the, the laboratory, and they missed the vein the first time? I mean, that hurts. It, it really hurts. But could you imagine breaking a needle off inside your body? The richest man in the world. Most of the beggars that live in the slums of this city did not suffer what the richest man then in the world was suffering when he died. That's the investment that the world has. I'll tell you what, I'm glad I don't have much of that. Talking about money. I don't want all the problems that it brings. What I want to be able to do is invest my life in serving the Lord. And you see, we come here to Hebrews chapter 4, and we won't have time to go into the overall context here, but I want us just to pull this one verse out and kind of examine it this morning. The overall context, let me give you, was the rest that God has for His people. He is, God has not given us works. He's given us rest. That's what He wants. Excuse me. That's what He wants us to have. Verse 1 says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into His rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Verse 2, let's read that again. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. Not being mixed with faith in them. That heard it. Now, the idea here is that God's promises are there. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to whom? All men. Well, why aren't all men then saved? Because it's not mixed with faith in them that heard it. I'll tell you, faith is an incredible thing. Ladies, how many of you, some guys, if you cook, how many of you have ever made something, mixed it all together, and then forgot the baking powder in your biscuits? You know what you get when you forget the baking powder? Yeah, in the Civil War, they called it hardtack. Uh, it's just flour and water and you just need almost a hammer to break it apart because there's no rising, there's no air in that to loosen it up and, and make it fluffy and light and taste good. Uh, sometimes you forget to put the sugar in and you wonder why it just tastes like sawdust. Well, flour doesn't have a lot of taste. I mean, you just you have to put a little of that sweetener in there you know, it doesn't work if it's not mixed together. 
God's Word is there. What makes the difference? Faith is what makes the difference. But that faith has to be mixed, it says. It's got to be stirred in. And of course, we've given a working definition of faith here. Faith is believing God's word to the point of obedience. That's what faith is. Read James chapter 2. Faith without works is dead. Dead faith is worthless than anything you can imagine. There, there is nothing more worthless than dead faith. Because all you have are a bunch of words with nothing attached to them. God intended his word to be lived. And the only way that happens is you have to put yourself in that book called the Bible. Amen? There's got to be some things that happen inside of you because of what's written inside of this book. That faith has to be mixed with these words, and then we get a prophet. Of course, we quote the verse often, What is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world or lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give? in exchange for his soul. The writer of the book of Hebrews was trying to make a statement here. He said the gospel was preached unto the Jewish people here. They were hearing the words. In fact, they did something you and I will not do in this life. They heard the very voice of God speak from the top of Mount Sinai. How many people have said, I just wish I could hear God speak one time? Well, I'll tell you what, one of the most easily deceived senses are your ears. How many of you have ever seen a ventriloquist go do, do their little thing? It looks like that puppet is talking now, doesn't it? How does that work? Well, your ears are being deceived. The sound sounds like it's coming from the puppet, but it's not. It's just a puppet. Everything it says, somebody else is saying for it. How many of you thought a sound was coming from one direction and find out it comes from another? How many of you have ever thought somebody said something that they didn't say. I'll tell you, as I get older, I, I hear all kinds of things. But it's not what the person claims they said. I'm not getting a hearing aid yet, but uh, we'll see what happens. But here's what the Bible says. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. You know, we live in an age where no living person, at least in this country, has an excuse to say, I couldn't hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
You can turn on Christian radio. You can go on to the internet. Uh, if you live in Astoria, you're going to get a track from Open Door Bible Baptist Church. Uh, uh, if you live here very long, I mean, we pass out lots of literature. Uh, there is no excuse. But people hear it. And nothing happens. Why not? It says here, it's not mixed with faith. For by grace are ye saved through what? Faith. And that, what's the next phrase? And that not of yourselves. Faith does not come from you. It is the gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. Now, we're not going to go where the Calvinists go. They say that, well, faith is, cut, is a gift of God, therefore you can't be saved unless God decides that you should be saved. Well, God has decided he wants everybody to be saved. That's what the Bible says. But he's not going to save you unless there's a little mixing that goes on. Amen. Those words have to be brought in. You have to hear them. You have to choose to obey them. And let's not go to the other extreme of the person that says that once you get saved, you have to live a sinlessly perfect life. I wish that were true. Don't you? Wouldn't that be wonderful? But we still make choices just like you did when you got saved. And some of those choices are going to be wrong, my friend. Because they're not mixed with faith. And we have to come back to God and ask him to save us. You see, you've heard the message. Why doesn't it work in one person's life as, as, as it does in another person's life? Well, the Bible tells us here in our verse that the word did not profit them. It didn't bring a return. It didn't do anything good. There was no real investment that was made because there was no faith that was mixed in that life that heard those words, and so they were just mere words. And that's all they ever were. Now, I want to challenge you today as we investigate God's word. How many of you remember the day, the time, when that faith was mixed with God's word? You see, faith demands that you call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Faith demands. If there is faith there, it's going to do something. It's going to make you believe that Jesus is the only payment for your sin once and forever. Many times people will come to a point and they'll, they'll come to pastor I need to talk to you I'm, I'm just doubting my salvation I'm not sure whether I'm truly saved or not 
And of course, having dealt with many people over the years, there's a standard answer to that. One of two things is happening in your life. Either you've never been saved and the Holy Spirit of God is trying to get that faith mixed in your life and it's convicting you of the fact that you do not, nor have you ever had, Bible salvation. And it's the Holy Spirit of God pleading with you to simply believe God's Word to the point of obedience and get saved. The second reason people doubt their salvation is because they allowed things in their life that's not connected to faith. They've made decisions in their life that weren't based upon faith, meaning that they've allowed sin into their life for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And when we allow sin into our lives, guess what happens? That communication of faith that is supposed to be going back and forth on a moment-by-moment basis with our Savior, gets clogged up, gets diverted. We get consumed or we begin thinking about the wrong things that we have done instead of thinking about what Jesus did to pay the price for our sins. And sometimes we'll try to cover up our sins and we'll add sin unto sin until it gets absolutely absurd and and sometimes the whole life has to just fall apart and come all to pieces for us to realize that I need to go back to where I started from. For by grace are ye saved through faith. You know what? That's how you live for the Lord as well, is it not? Every day. You see, faith applies God's grace, God's words to our life. If I were to ask the question, how many of you could use some more grace in your life? Every hand would go up. We we need grace, do we not? I want to challenge you. You have all God's grace that you'll ever need. It's there. It's an endless supply. But without faith, you don't get it. You don't enjoy it. You don't reap the benefits. You don't get, as if we go back to our first word, there's no profit on your investment because without faith, grace is just there. But with faith, that grace becomes real as you live your daily life. How many of you remember how that happened when you got saved? Remember that? You say, but I don't feel that way anymore. Well, let's go back and examine the pipeline. Amen? Let's walk with the Lord. Let's get some more of that faith. Let's mix the proper ingredients in our life. You say, how do I get that faith in my life? It's a very simple thing. Get a hold of God's word and just do it. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 
1 Corinthians chapter 3, I believe Paul will shed a little light on this subject here. This is a verse we sing in Sunday school. We'll start in verse 9. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building according to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And if any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. You see, in order for God to judge your works, the issue of salvation has to be settled first. Otherwise, God doesn't judge your works. He judges you for the lack of faith in Jesus as your Savior. Somebody said, well, the Bible says God's going to judge us for every work that we have done. Yes, He is. But the question is going to be one. What have you done with Jesus Christ? Have you believed Him as your Savior? Have you expressed faith in Jesus Christ that what He did was all that is needed for your salvation. That's the message of this book called the Bible. That's why it's called the gospel. I don't understand how people go to church week after week and year after year hearing a message that, well, we really nobody really knows whether they're going to heaven or not, but you do the best you can and hopefully someday God will sort it all out. What kind of hope is there in that kind of message? What kind of peace is there in do the best you can? Let me ask you a question. When was the best you could ever good enough? I mean, you walked into work. What's the first thing they do when you walk into a new place to work? They train you. You know why? Because what you know and what you're able to do is not good enough. You've got to be exercised and trained and molded and carefully uh, um, uh, put into that position that they have for you. Unless you're a member of Congress, amen? Um, But any real job, you have to have training. They don't just give you the keys to one of them great big city buses and say, go out and try this thing out and see how you do. Oh, aren't you glad that doesn't happen? I mean, there's a lot of training involved. Believe it or not, those guys do what they do with those buses on purpose, not by accident. And that can be quite a scary thing in and of itself. 
But God wants to train you. He wants to use you. He wants to change the way you live. How does that happen? Well, you've got to choose the right foundation. That foundation is Jesus Christ. You were attached to that foundation the day, the moment that you believed in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, what are you going to do? How are you going to build upon that? How are you going to exercise that faith that applies God's grace to your life? Well, guess what? One of the things you can do is show up to church on Sunday morning. Amen? Because the Bible says so. You know what it also says? It says show up church on Sunday night and Thursday night. You say, you can't show me a verse that says show up church on Thursday night. It says forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Ladies, we have a ladies meeting Friday night. Ought to be here. Why? Because you're exercising faith in God's word to be obedient to the assembling of yourselves together. We have visitation. If you can come Saturday morning, you ought to be here. Why? Because you're making a decision based upon faith to be obedient to God's word. Are you following your daily Bible reading schedules? Guess what? You're exercising faith when you plan to read God's Word. Why is it so quiet? Is nobody reading their Bible reading schedule? If you're reading it, you can say, Amen! And by the way, we have some people that are doing a whole lot more than what's in here. And you know what I say to that? Amen. Because it ought to be. That is exercising faith. That is mixing faith in your life. When a major catastrophe or decision comes up, what should we do? We should consult the Word of God that decisions that are made may be made of faith. I'll tell you one of the most wonderful things to see on campus is young families. And they got all these little kids coming after them. I'll tell you what, I enjoy that. Why? Because they're make, they, if they're doing it right, they're making a decision based on faith. Somebody said, why do you have so many kids? Well, many years ago, when my wife and I got married, we made a decision based on faith. We're not here to criticize other people's decisions. That's not. But we want to encourage people that can make that decision based on faith. You say, but I can't make that decision based on faith. Then it's not of God. It's got to be worked out. It's got to be done the biblical way. Uh, It's got to be both husband and wife in total agreement with God's word. Otherwise, it's not faith. And what isn't faith is sin. Amen. I'm looking forward to what we're going to see 
out of the lives of some of those that walked the line Thursday night. You know why? Because there was an investment made in their life. I love what is going on at Heartland. But I will tell you this. I am so glad to be back home. You know why? Because this is where I belong. And if I'm going to exercise faith, it's not going to be moving to Southwest Baptist Church in Heartland because it's such a wonderful experience. It's going to be living for God where he has put me so that we can send students and financing and have a part in what's going on at Heartland. Amen? That's where the investment comes. And I'll tell you what, we've received from that investment. We got Carolina and Anita went and graduated and came back. Peter came back for a little bit. And we got Brother Jason who had nothing to do with our church other than to come here. And Brother Mike and Miss Kelly who went there and got associated with our church through the inner city missions class. And God began working in their life. I'll tell you what, I like that kind of investment. You see, when you do things by faith, God rewards you with his grace. Amen? We said, how many need more grace? Every hand went up. (laughs) Well, if you want more grace, you need more faith. On the way home, I got to stop and see Mrs. Wilson. We've talked about her. Some of you remember year 2000, her and her husband were here. He has since gone on with the Lord, uh, 2003. She is 98 years old. Uh, She's been in a nursing home for the last six or eight months. Uh, Just has to have continual care. And at 98 years old, you deserve the right for continual care. Amen? But uh, walked in, the preacher, her pastor uh, there in Springfield, Missouri, actually told me, he said, uh, if you want to see Mrs. Wilson, you better get there because they're saying she's not going to be around very long, maybe a month or two at the most. And I was so glad that I had all the kids, and we walked into the little room there, and and uh, I went in first to talk to her, to, and she just turned over. I said, do you know who I, remember who I am? And she just smiled and says, oh, of course I do. I'll tell you what, that was a blessing. But let me tell you something. Nearly 30 years ago when I was a student, it was Mrs. Wilson that came along beside me. And she just sat me down one day and said, Pete, you're making a mistake here. Let me tell you what, and boy, I'll tell you what. She was so right. But if you could have seen the smile, she used to play accordion, and I played saxophone. We did duets in our church there in Springfield when I was a student, and so we had Deborah break out the accordion and start tooting around, and the kids sang her a couple of songs. And if you could have seen the smile on your face, let me tell you something. I think that was a return on her investment in my life. 
God wants to use us. But if you're going to get grace, you got to have faith. It's got to be mixed in your life. That's what happened when you got saved. That needs to be what happened as you live each day. We're going to look at one more passage and then we're going to be done. Let's go to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You see, you get God's grace when you call upon his name by faith and ask him to save you. He settles that issue of salvation. Then he wants you to begin to make decisions that are based on faith. Grace is God's word. It's God's goodness to us. Faith is when I believe that word to the point I act upon it. That's what ministers God's grace to my life. But God wants to give us something that no other religion makes a claim of giving. And that's found here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. It says, therefore, we are always, what's that next word? Confident. You know, there is a part of our society that despises confidence today. You just think you know you're saved. What gives you the right to do that? Uh, Jesus did. Amen? I just obeyed this book, and that's what gives me confidence toward God. Now, we got a long way to go in raising kids in our family. But I'm, I'm confident that as long as we keep doing right, they will keep doing right. Amen? I am confident that in spite of all the things going on in our society today, that if we will keep living by faith, we're going to suffer persecution. See, that's not very nice. Uh, But I'm confident that God's going to keep working in spite of persecution. And I'm confident that the Bible says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. And so that until Jesus is done with us, we're going to be here serving him. I'll tell you what, that's encouraging to me. Because if you get your eyes looking at all the rotten stuff going on around us, we live in a terrifying world and a terrifying time, do we not? Uh, We were driving down the road and I saw two uh, helicopters hovering over the road, turning around and and of course uh, if you're a conspiratorialist you'll know what the term black helicopters mean. And I joked with my wife, there are the black helicopters. And uh, You say, you shouldn't joke about that stuff. It's real. Oh, yeah. But see, my God is more real than the people who are conspiring to stop us. 
It says that he has put before us an open door and no man can shut it. My confidence is not in me. My confidence is in God's grace as recorded in his word. It is mixed with faith as I obey God's word and I get to reap the benefits of it. I'll tell you, I want God's word to profit my life. As a pastor, my only desire for you is that this word will be invested in your heart and in your life and will bring forth a profit based upon God's set of goals. Amen? God doesn't always define profit as we do. But I'll tell you what, it tells us here, for we walk by faith and not by sight, verse 7, verse 8, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord, wherefore we labor that whether whether present or absent we may be accepted of him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore this, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. I wish we had time to take that whole verse apart, but let's just, Summarize it in this fashion. Paul says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. Could you imagine standing before God and him saying to you, why would you not obey my word? You could have. It was very simple. You see, it's the little things that really mess us up, not the big things. Could you, could you even just for a moment begin to think of how fearful that is going to be? And here's what Paul is saying. He says, we have confidence that when we appear before the Lord, we're not going to be ashamed. Why? Because I just believe this book called the Bible. How many of you have ever thought of the Lord coming back and said, well, I kind of hope he waits just a little while until I get this mess fixed in my life. Don't raise your hand if you've ever thought that way, but if you're alive, you have. That is the exact opposite what the Apostle Paul's talking about here in this passage. He says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. If you're sitting in this auditorium and you are not saved or have doubts about your salvation, I hope that you have enough sense to be afraid. I hope there's a little fear in your heart that says, boy, what's going to happen when I stand before God? 
because the Bible says that we persuade men. We, we use these things because I don't want God to be upset with you on the day of judgment. Amen? But Paul says, I hope you can look at my life and the things that God has done in it and understand that I'm ready to be with him. That will change your perspective on life, will it not? That will make these big things that we worry about not so big anymore. You see, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 4 and then we'll be done. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. I want you to take these next few moments and look at your life. Number one, are you saved? Do you have the confidence of believing in God's word? Number two, is your life a life of faith or is it just getting by? Are you investing your life in things that are because of faith? Or are you investing your life in things because of things? Do you have confidence that if God were to call you home today, you'd be ready to go? That's what Paul is talking about in these passages. That's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to convey here. I'm not preaching to people who do not know what I'm talking about. There's nothing new in today's message. In fact, I would dare say everybody knew everything I talked about long before you came to church here. but it wasn't mixed with faith. And so it was just words. We want it to be real so that we'll have confidence in the Lord. Now you understand what I mean. Not everybody knew everything about the gospel before they got here or even everything about the Bible. We do a lot of teaching here on the word of God. But one thing I've never had to explain to any person walking through those doors is what sin is. Everybody knew. And you know what? Though I've explained the gospel, the story of Jesus to many people so that they really understood it for the first time, 
they all had heard that Jesus died on the cross for their sins before they came here. But when it gets mixed with faith, it'll save you. When it gets mixed with faith, it'll help you to live when you go to work tomorrow. When it gets mixed with faith, it'll give you confidence that no matter what happens in this life, Jesus has prepared one for me on the other side. And all God's people said, Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that your word would do its work in each heart and soul here today. Lord, that we would give way to your word, that we would surrender ourselves, that we would allow this thing called faith to be active in our lives. We pray firstly for those that may be here and, and not know their salvation, not have this issue settled. We, Lord, we pray that today would be a day, the day, when they would surrender themselves to you and to faith in your word. Lord, we pray for the many that are struggling with issues and life and decisions and maybe health and, Lord, all the pressures of our society today and the direction that, that society is moving so against the word of God. We pray that we would just simply live by faith build upon that foundation which is already laid, which is Jesus. Lord, that your word would profit in our lives, being mixed with faith, that we would not lose out upon that grace, upon that rest, upon those blessings that you have for us. Please, dear Lord, work that we may glorify thee. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.